Jonah chapter 1 today. Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man and his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was, say the last two words, fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, please read out loud the question here, because this is the title of the message. What meanest thou, O sleeper? One more time. What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. We know kind of the rest of the story. We'll look at some of it later. Eventually, the men come, and after the lot was cast on Jonah, and they throw him into the the sea, and he gets swallowed by a great fish, spit up on the land, and goes to Nineveh later on, and God sends that great revival. I'd like to speak on the subject of what meanest thou, O sleeper? Now, be honest here today. How many of you love your sleep? You like to sleep. Oh, every hand goes up. Who doesn't? My hand's in the air as well. One of the worst parts of the day is when the alarm clock goes off, right? Well, we're not talking about physical sleep here, though Jonah was physically and spiritually asleep. What we want to relate is to the spiritual sleep that we need to all be awakened out of on a regular basis. The alarm clock in the morning is never a fun thing. Years ago, my, uh, my older brother, Matt, was one of those guys that would sleep through anything. It would take an earthquake to wake him up. It would take, it would take uh, um, a bunch of loud noise to get my brother out of bed. And I remember he was older than us, and my twin brother and I were waiting for him to go to school, and he was driving the car to school, and so Matt was still in bed. Was almost every morning, somebody else had to wake him up because he didn't hear his alarm clock. So one uh, year for his birthday, we decided to go down to Walmart and and buy him the loudest, biggest, most annoying alarm clock we could find. It was about this big. It was one of those round metal ones with the two big bells on the top. It was super loud, and we thought, surely that thing would wake him up. But nope, it, it didn't. So as I, now that as I've studied a little bit more about alarm clocks and kind of researched alarm clocks, I wish these alarm clocks would have been around. There's the alarm clock that's like the Rumba vacuum cleaner that rolls around on the ground. And when it goes off, you have to actually get out of bed, find it on the ground, and and turn it off before. That's what my brother Matt needed. There's actually an alarm clock that's called the dumbbell alarm clock. Maybe you need to get this for your roommate. And you set it, um, you preset it for how how many curls you're supposed to do with the dumbbell. When the alarm goes off, in order for it to stop, you have to finish the curls. Right, and that's, it's, it's just a small dumbbell. It's not like a really hefty thing, so anybody could use that. There's the uh, siren alarm clock that you hang above your bed, and then it, and it screams at you and gives you a siren like a, a police siren. Um, there's the mathematician alarm clock. That's where you actually have to finish a math problem in order for you to uh, get the alarm to go to, to stop. I mean, some of those would be awesome to give my brother Matt. That would have been awesome. Some of you need to get that for yourself or your roommate. I don't know. Alarm clocks are really effective for our physical sleep, 
But God wants to wake us up with his alarm clock spiritually as well. We know in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 13, it says it is high time that we awake out of sleep. We'll look in in just a little bit at a text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where it clearly tells us that as believers, we shouldn't be the ones that are asleep. Now, Jonah was the one that was asleep when he was the one that should be awake. Amen? God was speaking to Jonah. God wanted to use Jonah. God was doing a work and wanted to do a work through Jonah, yet he was fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. Now, what I want to do today is relate some of the things that we see in this story of Jonah about his physical sleep and spiritual sleep and relate that to how we need to awake, awaken out of the sleep that God wants us to awaken out of. The devil wants us to fall asleep. The devil wants us to be drowsy. The devil wants us to be lazy in our spiritual life. God wants us to be alert and revived. Are you living in a consistent revival spirit every single day? How many of you know that in America today we need a great awakening? We need a great revival. I mean, when we look at what's going on across our culture and we look in the political sector, in the economic sector, of course, in the moral sector, and even in the, quote, Christian sector or the religious sector, we need a great awakening in our country. We could talk a long time about the problems of our culture, the problems of our government, the problems of America, but before we do that, we can't ever expect revival and an awakening to happen in America if it doesn't happen in you and if it doesn't happen in me. It's time to awaken out of sleep. I want you to notice this morning, first of all, Jonah fell asleep in the same way we do sometimes. He first fell asleep to his sovereign God. He fell asleep to God. The Bible is very clear in that revival begins, the awakening or flame is sparked and continued in our life as we have a fearful and awful awareness of the presence, power, and majesty of God. The people that do know their God will be strong and do great exploits. How many of you want to do great things for God? Say amen. Do you know that how that happens? It does not happen with just the proper training, though you ought to get the proper training. It doesn't happen if you just know the right people, though it sure helps sometimes to know the right people that help push you and encourage you and point you in the right direction. The people that will do great things for God, the people that are going to accomplish His work in a powerful way are the people that understand who He is. They're consistently wanting to know Him better. They're seeking the face of God. The people that do know God are strong and do great exploits. Our theme verse at the camp is that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering be made conformable unto His death. We want everybody to understand that the way through life as a Christian is to know God. It's to know God. Now, Jonah fell asleep to the knowledge of God. First of all, he fell asleep to the knowledge of God of the word of God. Notice verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, son of Amittai, saying. Now, Jonah had the privilege that you and I don't have, though our privilege of knowing the word of God and hearing the word of God is a more sure word of prophecy than even Jonah's. Jonah actually had God literally tell him what to do. Now, I think sometimes we have this idea that it'd be really nice if God would just shine it up on the screen and show us exactly where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to marry. That'd be interesting. And his perfect will for our life, and he just put it on the screen. Let's show it up on the screen here today. Here's what you're supposed to be doing. And some of you think that'd be, that'd be really, really nice if God would do that. And maybe you would be more uh, uh, able to do it if you actually saw what you were supposed to do. 
but it takes a lot more faith for us to do it little by little through the steps of his word, right? But Jonah, when God told him specifically to do something, what did he do? He fell asleep to the word of God. Now, this relates obviously to all of us because we have the privilege, and what a wonderful privilege, to hear the preaching of the Word of God. We have the privilege to hold the Word of God in our own hands. We have the privilege of reading the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God in our own personal lives. How many of you are thankful for the Word of God today? But you know what? Our world has fallen asleep to the Word of God. Our, Our country has fallen asleep to the Word of God. Our churches have fallen asleep to the Word of God. And God's people have fallen asleep to the Word of God. In in an age in which we should be uh, utilizing all the technological advancements and resources at our disposal to know God's Word better, we're the most illiterate Bible uh, uh, set of Christians known to the planet. We need to know more and more of the Word of God. We need to want more and more of the Word of God. Have you noticed that a lot of churches these days are canceling more and more services? They're having less and less church? That's totally, totally, totally anti-biblical. The Bible says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but so much the what's the next word? So much the what? More, as you see the day approaching. We need more and more preaching. More and more assembling with God's people. Not less and less. I'm thankful that you have chapel. Amen. I'm thankful that you have Bible classes. I'm thankful. That's awesome. But how much are you in love with the Word of God? Oh, how love I thy Lord is my meditation all the day. You will never do the work of God if you don't listen to the Word of God and be obedient to the Word of God. Jonah had fallen asleep to the Word of God. Have you? Do you need the alarm to sound in your life? Now, this would not be a good message to sleep in. Because we're literally saying we should not fall asleep in the Word of God. Why is it we can stay up and watch three hours of a football game and never one time drowse off to sleep, but we have a really hard time investing our energy into the preaching, and many of you have a hard time staying awake. I get it. You're tired, right? And those pews are comfortable, right? And the preacher's voices are so smooth, right? No, No, but it's it's very interesting what what you stay awake for Like if you sit and watch something and you never really struggle, it proves that you're more intent on what you're watching than what you're listening to when you fall asleep in chapel. Now, again, I remember falling asleep in chapel, so I'm not trying to be super hard on you, okay? I remember how hard it was to stay awake in, in, some of, in some of my Bible classes. But the point of this is, when we invest our time, we literally it should not be falling asleep when we have the opportunity to understand the greatest book that's ever been written and to listen to the words of God. We need to wake up and wake out of our sleep. Not only did he fall asleep to the word of God, second of all, and it is in progression, I believe, because he fell asleep to the word of God, he missed the will of God. Number two, he fell asleep to the will of God. What was God's will for Jonah? Obvious, God told him, go to Nineveh. Now, for any of you preachers out there, maybe you're like me, or like, Jonah, what in the world are you thinking? I've been dying to see a a great move of God in every service that I've ever preached. I want to go and do a revival meeting where God is at work, and God is promising revival to the people of Nineveh, and Jonah doesn't even want to go. And we're not going to get off tangent there, but there's many reasons why people, and uh, if you study, commentators will tell us why Jonah had this uh, propensity to run from that that, uh, preaching in Nineveh. 
And most believe that those, these are some of the same people that had persecuted the people of God. And these were the, uh, the Assyrians. They were, they were brutal people. And he was nervous about that. And there's many other reasons. But the point is, man, if there's a great revival ready to happen in the will of God, wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Look, there is a great thing that God wants to do in America today. And it, and it needs to happen through you. And it needs to happen through me. God has something special lined up for you in his kingdom work. If you don't do his will... There'll be a hole in God's kingdom work. Oh, God will do his work with or without you. But don't you sure want to be a part of that? And so Jonah was missing the will of God because he was refusing to listen to the word of God and be obedient to the word of God. Therefore, he had fallen asleep to the will of God. Mark it down. The only place for true success, true satisfaction, and true life happiness is when you're in the will of God. So Jonah was going to miss out on that true happiness and success that God wanted to give to him and how God wanted to use him. And can I say to you, when you stiff arm the will of God, you also will miss the good thing that God wants to do in your life. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. God translates his desires and he makes them your own desires. And so nobody twists your arm to do what God wants you to do. When you just surrender, God leads you down a pathway that's a good and acceptable and perfect will. Don't you want that for your life, young people? Just wake up. Wake up to the Word of God. Wake up to the will of God. Notice third, he'd walk, he walked away from the work of God. So he had fallen asleep to the work of God. Now God's work is going on in the world. Praise the Lord for that. You look at the mess that we're in and all the wickedness and the people in the, uh, in the Bible talked about this. Why do the heathen rage? And sometimes I even watch the news and try not to watch too much of it. It's pretty depressing. Plus you don't know if they're telling you the truth. The disinformation is crazy that's going out there. The indoctrination that's going on is crazy out there. Truth is whatever anybody wants it to be, which, which takes away from truth as a whole. Somebody tells you uh, there's no such thing as absolute truth, just look them in the eye and say, are you absolutely sure? Because they just negated their own argument. Because they made an absolute statement about something that's not absolute. <laughs> so anyway, you'll get that later if you're not asleep, if you're not asleep, right? But the point is that God is still doing his work in the world in which we live. Um, God isn't caught off guard by the corruption in our government. God is not caught off guard with the indoctrination of the critical race theory and the, uh, the transgender stuff and all the different craziness, literally craziness, senselessness that's going on in our world today. God isn't caught off guard by that. God's work is still rolling forward and doing just fine. His kingdom is coming, His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it frustrates me, and, and we ought to have courage to stand for what's right, and we ought to be willing to dialogue and know what we believe and why we believe it. But I sure want to be a part of the work of God, not my own work, or not the work of some organization. I want to be a part of what God wants to do in the world. And obviously, the greatest work that God wants to do in the world is through the gospel, salvation of souls. In his wrath, he remembers mercy. Praise the Lord for that. God is judging sin, but yet he's allowing people to still be saved. How many of you are glad that God didn't judge you before you got saved? So we, we don't need to be so frustrated that we say, God, just destroy it all. No, we need to be like God and have compassion on the, the wicked. And, and go out with a, an energy to, to share the gospel. Who are you sharing the gospel with? And be a part of the work of God. Now, I find it interesting that God wanted to do a great thing through Jonah. And Jonah was fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. He fell asleep to the work of God. 
oh, I know you're in this, this college that's centered around ministry training, but God has a special thing prepared for you, a work that he wants you to be a part of. And I just want to encourage you, don't fall asleep to his word. Don't fall asleep to his will, because God has a work for you to do. And if you miss his word and you miss his will, then you won't be a part of his work. And there is a sense in which God's people, even Christians, can actually be doing detriment to God's work rather than helping God's work. And boy, we know that when we live lukewarm, sleepy, lethargic lives and we live in sin and we, don't, we cover it up and we, we don't get intense for God, then we're actually doing more damage to the cause than help to the cause. Don't you want to be about helping the cause? Don't fall asleep to the work of God. And then the final thing there is he fell asleep not only to the word of God, to the will of God, to the work of God, but this is very clear in this great story. He fell asleep to the wonder of God. Did he really know who he was messing with? Did he really think that he could pull a fast one on God? I mean, he's asleep in the bottom of the boat, and God controls the weather. God controlled the sea. God's in a storm like the mariners had never seen in their entire life, and they've been uh, mariners for a long time. God then later sends a great fish in his control to literally, yes, literally, not a fairy tale, literally swallow Jonah whole. And Patch the Pirate's written a good song about that. Shall we sing that today? No, I'm just kidding. Come and listen to my fearful tale, right? And what did, he, what did Jonah's lesson? When God calls you to do something, beware, you better do it. Look, he had fallen asleep that God was watching him all the way. God knew exactly what was going on. He wasn't able to hide from God, fall asleep before God. God had, God had him marked, right? He was tracking him. And uh, he wanted to bring him back. Now, that, that even, even that is a testimony of the grace and mercy of God. God could have just disposed of Jonah. How many of you are glad that God tracks you down? And you don't need to forget the wonder of who God is. We heard a song sung about that just a moment ago. What an amazing God. And all that he's doing to seek to use our life, to change our lives, to, to care for our lives. And we can cast all of our burdens and all of our cares on him. He's our very best friend. He's our Lord, our Savior, our Master. I mean, we have so much to thank the Lord for. Don't forget the wonder of God. He holds the entire universe in the, in the span of his hand. He meets out the heavens with the span, the Bible says. He holds the waters in the palm of his hand. Behold your God today. The people will be strong that know their God. Question, young person, have you forgotten to take time to grow your relationship with God? Are you seeking more than anything else to know him? He's seeking you. Why are you not seeking him? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Jonah had fallen asleep, number one, to his sovereign God. Have you? Do you need that alarm clock to sound? Wake you up out of your sleep? Number two, he had not only fallen asleep to his sovereign God, but number two, he had fallen asleep to his sinful self. His sinful self. This might be un, even need, not even needed to be said, but it, what we find in this account is that Jonah decided to be selfish, and in going his selfish way, he sinned and he fell short of what God wanted him to do. So he is living in a state of sinfulness and fell asleep in the midst of it. He's in the bottom of the boat when God's trying to get his attention. God's knocking at his heart's door. God's trying to get him to go to Nineveh, and he's falling asleep because he's so wrapped up in himself. He's so wrapped up in his sin. Did you notice that he said that he tried to flee from the presence of the Lord? Verse, two, verse 3 says it twice. How many of you know, if you really know God, you know you cannot flee from the presence of the Lord. But twice in this text, from the human understanding of what Jonah was seeking to do, was he was seeking to actually run from the presence of the Lord. 
Believe me, the Bible says in Psalm 139, Whither can I go from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. In that same text in Psalm 139, David talks about how that God knows his down-sitting and his uprisings. He understands his thoughts afar off. There's not even a word in your tongue, but, oh, Lord, you know it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me. So when you get to know God, you understand you cannot hide in your sin. That's why David said at the end of that psalm in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, know me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That should be the the prayer that we pray to God when we know who He is, that He sees it already. We should be saying, God, show it to me. Show me any sin that I'm covering up. Help me not to fall asleep and get used to the darkness of the sin. Help me not to be complacent and carnal in the way that I think. Help me not to become worldly and live in in my sinfulness and just be satisfied to sleep right there with the sinfulness. So he had fallen asleep to the complacency of his own heart, his selfish heart. He had fallen asleep to that conflict uh, that God gives to us as believers. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and these are contrary one to another. How many of you with me say you feel that? You feel that. You feel that fight. You feel that war. You know what? This proves that Jonah fell asleep to that. Like he said no to that conflict. He had said no many times probably, and so now he's used to the conflict, and uh, his conscience maybe isn't as soft as it used to be, and he's fast asleep when he's directly disobeying God. I sure hope I never get to the point where I can go fast asleep literally or spiritually when I'm running from God and when I'm disobeying God. I'm praying that God would give me a sensitive conscience, a sensitive heart, that he'd show me every time any sin that's in my life and that I'd be quick to confess it and forsake it and God's always quick to forgive it. Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad that your sins are completely under the blood of Jesus Christ. And he looks at him as far as the east is from the west, he sees him no more. The Bible says that once you're saved, you're forgiven of all your sin. But as you are a child of God, you still struggle. Your flesh is weak. You still find yourself doing wrong. Who's with me? Say amen. Sometimes I think wrong thoughts. Sometimes I say wrong things. Sometimes I disobey God, right? We all have been there. But I'm so glad for that still small voice of the Spirit of God in my life convicts me, confronts me, and I'm so glad for uh, 1 John 1, 9, which says, If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's not talking about restoring the salvation work. You don't have to get resaved over and over again. Some people are confused by that. I'm glad once I'm in the Father's hand, no man can pluck me out of the Father's hand. But it's about relationship. I remember years ago when I would do something that I knew was wrong before my parents. I remember how in my spirit, even when they didn't know about it, I felt there was something broken. I would run the other way. I would turn the other way. I didn't want to like stare them in the eyes because I knew something wasn't right. I had done something wrong. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's the, re- the restoring of the relationship that we need with God. When, we're, when we know we're going away from God, God wants to restore that sweet, holy communion. And that text I shared just a moment ago in James chapter 4, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Know what the next phrase says? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jonah had fallen asleep to the conviction of his sin. He had fallen asleep to the need for confession of his sin. And I'm so glad today that I can call us all to be quick to cleanse the heart, quick 
to cleanse the hands. Sins of the heart, sins of the hands can be confessed to a holy, righteous God who will forgive us and in His loving kindness set us back in a proper, holy relationship with Him, that oneness of relationship. So today, have you fallen asleep to some area of sin in your life? In the heart? With the hands? Are you willing to pray like David prayed? Search me, know me, try me, and allow God to investigate and take a good look at your life and then reveal it to you. God, God can do that in your life. And right now, in your heart, the Holy Spirit might be pointing his finger at something that's not right in your life. Wake up. Don't cover it. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth it and forsaketh it shall have mercy. God wants to forgive that, set you back on the right course. And I'm so glad that God never leaves us alone. He always tracks us down. He's, you, you can be a fugitive or a friend of God, and God still is close to either one. But I'm so glad that when I'm going the wrong way, God helps put me back on the right way. And he does that through his word and by his spirit and through good counselors in our life, and we ought to welcome all of that. We ought to be encouraged today that we can awake out of the sleepiness of sin. Are you aware that in our world... This society that we're living in is trying to cast out the knowledge of God, cast out the Word of God, and allow people to live as selfishly as they want, and they're actually promoting it. Just do what feels good. This is totally, totally anti-God. It's going to take down our society, and God's people shouldn't be living that way. There should be a holiness in our life. We cannot fall asleep to our sinfulness. We cannot get used to the darkness of the world around us. We are to be the light. We are to be the ones that God can use to help wake up others that are in their sleepiness and in their sin. Why would we ever cover our sin when God says we should confess? All right, so number one, he had fallen asleep to his sovereign God, the word of God, the will of God, the work of God, and the wonder of God. Second of all, and like you and I, sometimes we fall asleep to our own selfish, sinful way. The conflict of our sin, the consequences of our sin, and the confession of our sin, we need to wake up out of our sinfulness. And then third, I want you to notice, where we stopped in verse 8, we'll look in just a moment. Third, he fell asleep to the souls of men. Another given thing that we see in the life of Jonah. If Jonah really had the heart and the burden for the lost people of the world like he should have, or the lost people that were right around him as he should have, then he he would be licking his lips and anxious and excited to go to Nineveh. Because God was about to do a great work in Nineveh through Jonah. But not only that, even in his running from God and in his sin, God still set him in a place where he should have been thinking about how to affect the people around him. You see that? With the mariners that are right around him. Surely these men didn't know God because it says later on, who is your, they, they ask him in verse 8, then they said unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? All right, so they cast lots. The lot fell upon Jonah. Has the lot fallen on you as a sleepy individual today? The lot fell on Jonah, and because of his sinfulness, he was hindering the work of God in the souls of other people. But finally, Jonah wakes up. The lot falls on him. He starts to acknowledge what's going on. I believe he probably confessed his sin later on. He admits that he was running from the presence of God. He admits that he was going the wrong way, and he tells the mariners about that. They ask him, where are you from? What, is, what evil is upon you? What is your occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? Wow, that's like... That's like when you get on an airplane, and like for me, when I get on an airplane and somebody asks me, so what do you do for a living? That's like, that's like sick them to a dog right there. I'm a gospel preacher. I run a Christian youth camp. I'm an evangelist, and I preach the gospel. 
And it gives me an immediate opportunity to share my faith. It's wonderful. Don't ever be shy about sharing your faith. We need more and more people to be bold in your witness, creative in your explanation, truth from the Bible. Share your testimony. That's what Jonah does here. He's sharing his testimony, and he had fallen asleep to the fact that his testimony mattered, and his tenderness towards souls mattered. He walked right on this boat, right past all these these ungodly mariners, went down to the bottom of the boat, and fell asleep when he was the prophet of God. I mean, he should have had a burden for even those men, much less all the people in Nineveh. So he'd fallen asleep to the fact that he needed to keep a tenderness towards souls. Boy, this is so needed in the world in which we live. Did you know that oftentimes we make excuses that aren't actually real? Like people don't want to talk to me, so I'm not going to talk to them. Did you know that that's not necessarily the case? If you enter into conversations always thinking that other person doesn't want to talk to you, then obviously you're not going to talk to them. But how many of you are glad when people talk to you? You like it when people ask you about your life and about what's going on in your experience and and how your day is going, and that that people actually care about you? How many of you are glad when somebody does that? Did you know that generally speaking, psychology tells us that people love it when people ask questions about how their life's doing and what's going on in their world, and even though we live in a a technology age where everybody does this, and they walk around like this, bumping into people, texting people, that looking people eye to eye and talking to them is actually something that people still enjoy? So when you're at the gas station or you're at the restaurant or when you're going uh, and traveling somewhere and you run across somebody, and I'm not saying that every place we go that we automatically get a direct opportunity to give the gospel, but we should be looking and we should be ready and we should be sensitive to when those opportunities arise and we shouldn't be falling asleep to the needs of men that are all around us. So there needs to be this tenderness of our heart, this compassion of our soul to be moved for the people of the world, for the people in other countries, for the people of other languages, for the people in America, for the people in our community, for the people that we meet every single day that that they're without Jesus, most likely. They're on their way to a devil's hell. And just like you're glad somebody told you, if they ever get saved, they'll be glad you told them. It would be great if someday somebody came up and gave a testimony about their salvation and to the glory of God, God used you to help sow that seed of the gospel in their life. And I know this is at the heart of what your your school teaches and encourages you to be a part of, but I want to just continue to encourage that to keep a tenderness towards lost souls that God would use us to meet the needs of the broken in our world. And the greatest way to meet the needs of the broken is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The tenderness for souls. He fell asleep to his testimony and his tenderness. He fell asleep to the fact that he just had to talk to these people about who he was. Notice verse 9. And he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Hmm. You might have a big question mark there if he really feared the Lord, if he's running from God right here. The God of heaven which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him. Here's a good, good question to Jonah. Why hast thou done this? And I want to ask you, why would we ever do like Jonah did? Why would we ever fall asleep in our sin? Why would we ever fall asleep to our great God? Why would we ever fall asleep to the needs of people around us? That's a valid question. If we have the truth and we have the answer, we have a way to encourage people to have a home in heaven and we can share the gift of eternal life, why aren't we? That's a valid question. Why would you do this? 
For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, and this is where we get that. I believe Jonah woke up to his sinfulness because he told them. He, he had now told them that uh, he was the problem. He knew he was running from God, and ultimately that landed him in the, in the ocean or in the sea. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea rotten was tempestuous. The rest of the chapter says that Jonah was cast into the sea, swallowed by a whale, etc. Can't preach the whole book of Jonah, but we're just preaching this, this section to help us understand. Finally, he woke up to the needs of these men, and he told them about his God. He told them about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they could be that, that that God could be their God as well. And finally, we need to wake up that God wants to use us in that way. God wants to, us to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I told you a moment ago that we were going to turn to a New Testament text as we conclude the message today. Turn over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to see this principle of not falling asleep as it's given to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 4 and 5 is in reference to the coming of the Lord. How many of you are looking forward to the day when uh, the, the trump will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. There's some great comfort in all of our hearts and lives to know that one day this world is not our home. We're just passing through and we're going to be with God forever. So this is right in the heart of that text. Chapter 5 repeats that idea. Verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. And it's in reference to the fact that God's going to come and return. And when he returns, we shouldn't be asleep. That's literally what this text tells us. Because in chapter 5, verses 1 and following, it talks about how the, the return of Christ, the rapture when it comes, will catch those who are in darkness as a thief in the night. I don't know if any of you have had that experience of somebody actually robbing your house. That's no fun. But that's what will, will happen when the Lord returns for those that do not know Jesus Christ, that are still in their sin, they're in their darkness, it's going to catch them like a thief in the night. But notice what the scriptures say here in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, uh, 5 and verse 4. But ye... Brethren, verse 4, sorry, and are, you are not in darkness. If you're not in darkness today, you have the light of Jesus Christ in your life. Say amen. amen. So that's speaking to you. You, brethren, are not in darkness that the day of the Lord should overtake you as a thief. You better not be caught off guard when the Lord returns. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Hallelujah for that. Praise the Lord. Notice verse 6, this is where we conclude the message. Therefore, let us not sleep. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. He's speaking to believers here. Don't be a sleepy Christian, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. So when you are asleep as a Christian, you're just like the ungodly sleeping world out there. You might be saved so as by fire, but you're just like them. Why would you want to live like them? And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. There is a way in which the believer can live like the sleepy world around them. There's a way that the believer can live like the drunken world around them. God help us to awake out of sleep and be ready for the coming of the Lord. Don't be like Jonah. Arise and awake out of sleep. Father, today, would you please help us to see any area of lethargy, any area of lukewarmness, any area that we're asleep. 
We can all do better in our pursuit of the knowledge of God. We can all do better in growing our relationship with you. May we not fall asleep to the knowledge of God that that is the most important thing that we can be doing is growing our relationship with you through your word, finding your will, being a part of your work, being amazed at your wonder. Lord, if there's any sin in our hearts and lives today, would you please reveal that to us and awaken us out of our sinfulness, our selfishness, the sensuality that so easily creeps into our lives. Help us not to be like the world, but to be different. Would you help us today to confess, have a soft conscience, keep us free from sin in our life. If there's any believer today that has been covering up sin, I pray that they'd get that right today, that they would confess and forsake it today. And, oh, God, would you help us to continue to have a compassion for the lost. Help us not to fall asleep to the needs of men that are all around us. Would you awaken us to our soul-winning efforts, to being a more faithful witness for you, to being bold in these dark days, letting our light and our good works shine, but the light of our lips and the testimony of the gospel be Be really there every moment we get a chance to share the gospel. Help us to be faithful, to pass out tracts, and to be able to dialogue with people about our faith, to know why we believe it and stand for it. Because we know that everybody needs the same thing. So, Lord, in this invitation time, as we conclude this service, this chapel service today, would you speak in a powerful way? Would you help us to awaken out of sleep? Lord, we ask you to sound the alarm clock in our hearts and lives and help us to be revived today. 